Music marks the times of our lives, reminds us of days gone by, and inspires today's and tomorrow's hits. Hi, I'm D. Dwayne, and welcome to The Real Deal, spotlighting the best music and the biggest artists of yesterday, providing an insight of just what made them so great. Influence. Webster's Dictionary describes the word influence as the capacity or power of a person or thing to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behaviors, and or opinions of others. When we decided to present the life and music of our featured artists, the word influence just kept coming up. So it's from that perspective that we present to you the queen of pop, Miss Whitney Houston. We actually sat down and asked ourselves, how many known female singers did Whitney Houston influence? Where are they now? How did her success change the industry and how artists were presented after her? We intend to not only answer those questions, but we'll also discover how Whitney Houston, as music critic Ann Powers of the Los Angeles Times puts it, stands like a monument upon the landscape of 20th century pop, defying the architecture of their times, sheltering the dreams of millions, and inspiring the careers of countless imitators. She also adds that when Whitney was at her best, nothing could match her. I would have to wholeheartedly agree. That's why we are excited and very pleased to present to you the life, the music, and the influence of Whitney Houston right here on The Real Deal. Whitney Elizabeth Houston was born on August 9, 1963 in Newark, New Jersey. Her parents, Army serviceman and entertainment executive John R. Houston Jr. and gospel singer Emily Sissy Houston both knew early on that Whitney had a special gift of singing and for music. Through her mother, Whitney was the first cousin of Dionne Warwick and Dee Dee Warwick. Her godmother was 1960s singer Darlene Love. Her honorary aunt was Aretha Franklin whom she met at the age of eight when her mother took her to a recording session. Whitney Houston was raised a Baptist, but she was also exposed to the Pentecostal church. After the 1967 Newark riots, the family moved to East Orange, New Jersey when she was four. At the age of 11, Whitney started performing as a soloist in the Junior Gospel Choir at the New Hope Baptist Church in Newark, where she also learned to play piano. When she was a teenager, she attended Mount St. Dominic Academy, a Catholic girls high school in Caldwell, New Jersey, where she met her best friend, Robin Crawford, whom she described as the sister she never had. Here's Whitney recalling the beginning of her journey. I've been working in the studio since I was 12. Uh, my mom took me in the studio and uh, I've been working professionally since I was 12 years old. So I approached it like a session. I'm going to do a session with, with Jermaine Jackson. And I had met him before very briefly, but um, I, I was just ready for it. I was really excited about it. My mom, she took me in. You know, and I said, I want to be a singer. You know, she said, you want to be a singer? You really do? I said, yeah, I really do. So she said, okay, let's go. And she took me by my hand and, and that was it. But I'm, I, I feel no pressure from those two. I mean, I, I have nothing to prove. I give myself and, and that's it. That's all I have to give. While Whitney was still in school, her mother not only continued to teach her how to sing, but she also taught Whitney how to conduct herself like a professional. Whitney was also exposed to the music of Chaka Khan, Gladys Knight, and Roberta Flack, most of whom would have an influence on her as a singer and performer. Whitney spent some of her teenage years touring nightclubs where her mother Sissy was performing, and she would occasionally get on stage and perform with her. At age 15, Whitney used the same background vocals on Chaka Khan's hit single, I'm Every Woman, a song that she would later turn into a larger hit for herself on her monster-selling Bodyguard soundtrack album in 1992. She also sang backup on albums for Lou Rawls and Jermaine Jackson. In the early 1980s, Whitney started working as a fashion model after a photographer saw her at Carnegie Hall singing with her mother. She appeared in Seventeen magazine and became one of the first women of color to ever grace the cover of that magazine. She was also featured in layouts in the pages of Glamour, Cosmopolitan, Young Miss, and she appeared in the Canada Drive soft drink TV commercial. Her youthful beauty and girl next door charm made her one of the most sought after teen models of that time. We're talking influence. 
Whitney Houston had previously been offered several recording opportunities. However, her mother declined the offers, stating that her daughter must first complete high school. In 1983, Jerry Griffith, an A&R representative from Arista Records, saw her performing with her mother in a New York City nightclub and was impressed. He convinced Arista's CEO, Clive Davis, to take the time to go see Whitney Houston perform. Davis too was impressed and offered a worldwide recording contract which Whitney eventually signed. Later that year, she made her national televised debut on The Merv Griffin Show. Whitney Houston signed with Arista in 1983, but did not begin work on her first album right away. Clive Davis wanted to ensure that he had the right producers and material for Whitney's debut album. Whitney first recorded a duet with Teddy Pendergrass entitled Hold Me, which appeared on his album Love Language. The single was released in 1984 and gave Whitney her first taste of success, becoming a top five R&B hit. The song would also appear on her debut album in 1985. Here's a song that introduced Whitney Houston to the world, Hold Me on The Real Deal.
Houston's debut album entitled Whitney Houston was released in February of 1985. Rolling Stone magazine praised Houston, calling her one of the most exciting new voices in years, while the New York Times called the album an impressive, musically conservative showcase for an exceptional vocal talent. The soulful ballad You Give Good Love was chosen as the lead single from Houston's debut to establish her in the black marketplace first. The song was written by Lala and produced by Kashif. When Lala sent Kashif a copy of the song, originally offered to Roberta Flack, he thought it would be a better fit for Whitney and told Arista that he would be interested in recording it with her. You Give Good Love gave the album its first major hit as it peaked at number three on the Hot 100 chart and number one on the Hot R&B chart. My name is Dee Dwayne and you're listening to The Real Deal.
Whitney Houston was on a roll. With her exceptional talent and Clive Davis's excellent marketing machine, the album began to sell, and I mean sell strongly. Whitney continued promotion by touring nightclubs throughout the country. She also began performing on late-night television talk shows, which were not usually accessible to unestablished black artists. The jazzy ballad, Saving All My Love For You, was released next, and it would become Whitney's first number one single in both the United States and the United Kingdom. Telling you, Clive Davis knew how to pick him, didn't he? Mm, boy, I'm telling you. Launched in August of 1981, very few black artists were in rotation on MTV. The select few who were in MTV's rotation were Prince, Eddie Grant, Donna Summer, Musical Youth, and Herbie Hancock. MTV claimed that they were a rock music channel and that there just wasn't enough quality music videos by black artists. The president of CBS Epic Records, Michael Jackson's label, threatened to take away MTV's ability to play any of that record label's music videos. MTV decided to air Billie Jean and put it in regular rotation. Whitney Houston's How Will I Know music video also broke the racial barrier for black female artists. Anita Baker, Sade, and Janet Jackson all benefited from Whitney Houston's influence 
when it came to regular rotation on MTV. The song's music video gave Whitney global exposure and eventually received nominations at the 1986 MTV Video Music Awards in the categories of Best New Artist in a Video and winning the Best Female Video category. Here's How Will I Know on The Real Deal. By 1986, a year after its release, the Whitney Houston album topped the album's chart and stayed there for 14 non-consecutive weeks. 
The final single from the album, Greatest Love of All, became Whitney's biggest hit after peaking to number one and remaining there for three weeks on the Hot 100 chart, making her debut album the first album by a woman to yield three number one hits. Here's Clive Davis discussing Whitney's unbelievable success. Did I re feel close to her? Absolutely. I was there during all the years of all the triumphs from the very beginning. As I walked by her or she walked by me, I, I would say, are you pinching yourself? I mean, the success, seven consecutive yes. number one songs. I mean, that first album, she was such a workhorse for that. And the second, you know, in America, if an artist breaks, you got to pay justice to the pop stations, to the urban stations, if they're an African-American artist. If you're someone like Whitney Houston breaking in every country of the world, you've got to pay your dues. You've got to go to the UK. You've got to go to France. You've got to go to Japan. You've got to go to Africa. She went everywhere. There was no record that she did not break. No record she did not break. Hmm. Written by Michael Master and Linda Creed and released in February of 1985, here's the queen of pop, Whitney Houston, and the greatest love of all on The Real Deal.
what a huge success. Whitney Houston was the number one artist of the year and her album, Whitney Houston, was the number one album of the year on the 1986 Billboard year-end charts, making her the first woman to ever earn that distinction. She had the best-selling debut album by a solo artist. Whitney then embarked on her first world tour, The Greatest Love Tour. The album became an international success and was certified 13 times platinum in the United States alone and has sold more than 25 million copies worldwide. Could her second album match this success? The pressure was on. Clive Davis and Whitney wanted to do something different with the second album and continue to broaden Whitney's artistry and appeal. Whitney was a supporter of Nelson Mandela and the anti-apartheid movement. During her modeling days, the singer refused to work with any agencies who did business with the then-apartheid South Africa. During the European leg of her tour, Whitney joined other musicians to perform at Wembley Stadium in London to celebrate a then-imprisoned Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday. Over 72,000 people attended that event, and over a billion people tuned in worldwide as the concert raised over $1 million for charities while bringing awareness to apartheid. Whitney then flew back to the United States for a concert at Madison Square Garden in New York City. The show was a benefit that raised a quarter of a million dollars for the United Negro College Fund. If there was ever any question or doubt if Whitney Houston could sustain this tremendous success, that question was answered with the release of the first song from her second album. I Wanna Dance With Somebody won the Grammy Award for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance and was a huge commercial success, topping the charts in 13 countries, including Australia, Germany, and the United Kingdom. In the United States, it became her fourth consecutive number one single and sold over a million copies. My name is Dee Dwayne, and you're listening to The Real Deal.
her strong belief in giving back, in 1989, Whitney formed the Whitney Houston Foundation for Children, a nonprofit organization that raised funds for the needs of children around the world. The organization cares for homelessness, children with cancer or AIDS, and other issues of self-empowerment. Whitney herself was empowered. Clive Davis gave her more freedom to select the producers and the music on the third album, and she decided to take a more urban direction. She produced and chose the producers for this album, and as a result, it featured production and collaborations with L.A. Reid and Babyface, Luther Vandross, and Stevie Wonder. The album showed Whitney Houston's versatility on a new batch of rhythmic grooves, soulful ballads, and up-tempo dance tracks. I'm Your Baby Tonight was released in November of 1990 and went straight to number one.
At this point in her career, nothing could stop or impede Whitney Houston except Whitney Houston. Throughout the 1980s, Whitney was romantically linked to football star Randall Cunningham and actor Eddie Murphy, whom she dated. She then met R&B singer Bobby Brown at the 1989 Soul Train Music Awards. After a three-year courtship, the two were married on July 18, 1992. On March 4, 1993, Whitney gave birth to their daughter Bobby Christina Houston Brown, her only child and his fourth. Whitney was in love, and she loved being a wife and a mother. The hits kept coming as well. My name is Dee Dwayne, and you're listening to The Real Deal. With the commercial success of her career in music, the offers for movies poured in, including offers to work with Robert De Niro, Quincy Jones, and Spike Lee, but Whitney felt the time wasn't right. Her first role was in The Bodyguard, released in 1992, co-starring Kevin Costner. Whitney played Rachel Marin, a star who was stalked by a crazy fan and who hires a bodyguard to protect her. USA Today listed the movie as one of the 25 most memorable movie moments of the last 25 years in 2007. The hit song from the movie, I Will Always Love You, is the second song ever to reach the top three in the Hot 100 in separate chart runs. Dolly Parton wrote the song in 1973 and it has since become one of the best-selling singles of all time. If I should stay I would only be in your way So I'll go but I know I'll think of you every step of the way. And I
Whitney won three Grammys for the album in 1994, including two of the Grammys' highest honors, Album of the Year and Record of the Year. The next hit from the album Whitney sang background on for Chaka Khan when she was only 15. Whitney took the song to a whole nother level, peaking at number four on the Hot 100 in the seventh week of release, remaining in the top 40 for 19 weeks. The song became a number one hit on the Hot Dance Club chart, reached number five on the Hot R&B chart, and cracked the top 40 on the Adult Contemporary chart. Written by Ashford and Simpson, here's I'm Every Woman, right here on The Real Deal.
Although Whitney Houston was seen as an exceptional talent with the perfect image in the 1980s and early 1990s, by the late 1990s, her behavior changed. She was often late for interviews, photo shoots, and rehearsals, canceling concerts and talk show appearances. With missed performances and extreme weight loss, rumors circulated about Whitney Houston and possible drug use. Heavy cigarette smoking was beginning to affect the power and clarity of her voice. Even through her most difficult personal times, her many loyal fans worldwide were still buying her records and supporting her. Her influence remained strong and in fact, the New York Times stated that Whitney Houston was a major catalyst within black music that recognized the continuity of soul, pop, jazz, and gospel. Whitney Houston was considered by many to be a singer's singer who had an influence on countless other vocalists, both female and male. A number of the artists have acknowledged Whitney as an influence, including, and here's the short list. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, Tony Braxton, Christina Aguilera, Leanne Rimes, Jessica Simpson, Nelly Furtado, Kelly Clarkson, Britney Spears, Sierra, Pink, Ashante, Robin Thicke, Jennifer Hudson, A. Marie, and Destiny's Child. But Whitney Houston's power and influence was only a part of the equation. The planning, marketing, and implementation of Clive Davis and Arista Records also played a major part in Whitney's unheard of success. When you have major record companies mimicking your marketing plan and you have major motion picture companies sending you multiple scripts, that is influence. Whitney Houston remains truly loved by many, not only by friends, fans, and family, but also by an industry that benefited greatly from her blessing of voice, power, and influence. Here's her mother, Sissy Houston. I'm very proud of my daughter. She's accomplished a great deal in the short time that she's had here. I'm proud of her for a lot of things. She was a very wonderful person. She was very special to me. Very special. She's my only daughter. And uh, a good one. Very good. The last single released prior to her passing was written and produced by Alicia Keys and Swiss Beats. Alicia had requested to be a part of Whitney's album and Whitney decided she wanted to work with Alicia Keys after hearing her perform at one of Clive Davis's parties. In an interview, Whitney said that she walked over to Alicia Keys and said, Hey, do you think you can produce me? And Alicia said, yeah, I think I can. Released in August of 2009, here's Million Dollar Bill by the Queen of Pop, Whitney Houston, on The Real Deal.
Houston was the most awarded female artist of all time according to Guinness World Records with two Emmy Awards, six Grammy Awards, 30 Billboard Music Awards, 22 American Music Awards, among a total of 415 career awards as of 2010. She held the all-time record for the most American Music Awards of any female solo artist and shared that record with Michael Jackson for the most AMAs ever won in a single year with eight wins in 1994. Whitney won a record 11 Billboard Music Awards in 1993. She also holds the record for the most World Music Awards won in a single year, winning five awards in 1994. Whitney was ranked as one of the top 100 greatest artists of all time by VH1, and her debut album is listed as one of the 500 greatest albums of all time by Rolling Stone magazine. In 1997, Franklin School in East Orange, New Jersey was renamed to the Whitney E. Houston Academy School of Creative and Performing Arts. In 2001, she was the first artist to be given a BET Lifetime Achievement Award. Not to mention that she was one of the world's best-selling music artists of all time, having sold over 200 million albums and singles worldwide. Whitney Houston was inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame in 2013. And in August 2014, she was inducted into the official Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame. But it's not all about the awards and record-breaking statistics that Whitney Houston achieved. It all comes back to the legacy and the example of the truly gifted artistry that she displayed throughout her career. Whitney was powerful. She was beautiful and she was influential. Take a look at and listen closely to any female performer today and you will see and possibly hear the influence of Whitney Houston. And that's what makes her, Whitney Houston, the real deal. Deal is produced by Melody Productions, and we welcome your comments and ideas for future shows. Hit me up at the D Man, that's the D, M is in Mary, A is in Apple, N is in Nancy, N is in Nancy, the D Man 524 at hotmail.com, and I'll hit you right back. Always keep it real, and thanks again for listening to The Real Deal. <laughs>